Turn over chain, 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 I went to New York City, repping, uh, repping my canes. They won 41 to 8, and if I did have a voice right now, I wouldn't be a true Miami Hurricanes fan. Exactly, and I can't, I can't really take too much away from you, man. Congrats to those Miami Hurricanes looking near the top of the power rankings this week. 41 to 8 win against Notre Dame. That was huge. I wasn't expecting it. You guys heard me a couple of weeks ago say I actually wanted this team to lose to Notre Dame because I didn't think we had the potential to be a national contender. Boy, was I wrong. Miami came out and absolutely obliterated one of the better teams in college football this year. I'm honestly hyped for you, dude. Going to Cornell myself, our, our college football program, although this year was pretty decent, it was never hyped to any regard of being like one of the top four teams in the nation. And yeah, dude, apparently this was like the loudest stadium Notre Dame has faced all year. And to Miami's credit, this was a hyped game. Like there was, this was like the fourth game in a row where there was four to- turnovers and there was like a 15 plus point uh, turnover margin. I would say that the Miami Hurricanes... I'm glad y'all kind of stood with the steam earlier in the season, and now you're still undefeated. Miami has such a storied career. Being there for the past four years, it hasn't been so great. I'm just so excited to see them back in the national spotlight. College game day went back to campus for the first time in a decade. It was the highest rated college game day that this season. My Canes really came out, showed them what Miami's all about. It's the college team everybody loves to hate, and I wouldn't have it any other way, man. And man, I know you could talk about University of Miami all day, but I know your throat's going to be killing you for doing that. So let's go ahead and move on to another Florida team that also had a fortunate win, but kind of trinkled with some little stupid drama, I would consider it. Apparently, the University of Central Florida, they had this ongoing rivalry with UConn called the Civil Conflict, where for some reason, I don't know why a Florida team and a team all the way up in Connecticut have a rivalry, but... To University of Central Florida's credit, they are undefeated this year, and they won this past weekend 49-24. to These teams just are so uninterested in this rivalry that I, th- I remember last year UConn just left the trophy on the bench after they had won against UCF. And it just goes to show they just don't care about this rivalry. Yeah, you know, there's a bunch of Big Ten rivalries that are kind of just like, they, they're not in the national spotlight, but they're very important to the teams that are playing in it. But they've these been rivalries for like a hundred years. This one only dates back to like twenty fourteen. It makes no sense, like you said. You know they're completely opposite ends of the nation. They don't really have any conflict, like stemming back to anything. And like you said, man. I mean, ten minutes after the game last year, there's just a sad, depressing shot of the trophy just chilling on the bench at the forty yard line. I mean, and, and props to UCF. You know, like. Being one of the only four undefeated college football teams left, especially when you're considering that Miami and Alabama are two of them, Wisconsin being the other, they're all national championship contenders except for UCF. Now, I'm not saying put them in the national championship contention, but I am saying look out, man, because I think they're going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Who knows, man, with their season they're having this year, we could see them, but... Let's move on to, you know, two two specific teams in college football who, to my opinion, don't really deserve the heart of Sarah Spain. But apparently in her, col- in her college football bachelorette scheme, game, little shindig, 
She has Ohio State and Wisconsin as their two final teams that she wants to select as her favorite college football team Moving uh, as she moves forward in her sports career. And I got to say, wh- why these two teams? Like, why? Yeah, man, even looking at the article, her excuses for picking Wisconsin and Ohio State as her final two make absolutely no sense. She said she wants them to be national contenders. Everyone knows Ohio State's out of the college football playoff. Wisconsin's a long shot because they need to be undefeated and that means beating Ohio State in the national or in the Big Ten championship. And even then, I don't know if they're going to have the strength of schedule for it. But it is interesting, man. The winner of this Big Ten championship game will probably be winners of Sarah Spain, too. So, really, which trophy is more important? I would more, much rather win the heart of Sarah Spain than a Big Ten championship game. I would, too, since she's, she's my alma mater. You know, we're all, you know I always give you a lot of flack, Sarah Spain, but it's all love with the Cornell alma mater. The other big news in college football, man, number one going down. A lot of people, I always thought it was a little overhyped, but Georgia lost to Auburn. It was a smacking, man, 40-17. to 17. I mean, it's it's anyone's guess at this point who's going to be in the college football playoff in, you know, five weeks when the, when the final results come out. I'm assuming Alabama's up there, probably Clemson or Miami, whoever wins that ACC championship game. Maybe... A, a Wisconsin Big Ten championship comes through. I know it's a little early, but who's your pick for the winner? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I mean, I like what Baker Mayfield's doing in Oklahoma, but and, and you know me, man. I get very superstitious with football, with, with my teams doing well. I'm not used to it. But the way Miami came out, if if the Canes Nation comes out, man, I don't see why we couldn't beat Alabama in that national championship. Hey, man, I'm glad you're a believer. I want, I want you to have faith in your team and – I'm going to go ahead and say my pick, you know, I'm just going to go with the bandwagon. Alabama's going to win it. We'll see what happens. You heard it here first on 17th take. but And like you said, man, it's a far ways away. But we, you know, 17th take's been getting a lot of stuff right. We were the first to call the U being back. We had the entire MLB postseason riding the bandwagon of 17th take. So why don't we just keep it going, man? Sure thing, man. But I, I got to ask you a question, Toby. Sure. What the hell happened to the Cowboys without Zeke yesterday? Oh, man. Don't even get me started, dude. It's it's not just a Zeke problem, dude. With the Cowboys, we lost to Sean Lee on the defense. Dan Bailey, I, m- I remember Mike Nugent. He missed like a critical, I think it was like a 40-yard field goal. Like, easy money. Well, your offensive line, man, giving up six sacks to one player, too. What the hell is going on? Uh, all I'm saying is... Dak Prescott is finally seeing what Tony Romo had to deal with the first seven or so years of his career, man. A piss-poor offensive line, not doing the job, not protecting them. It's Dak Prescott, I know you're a strong, athletic man, but you got to work around that new offensive line. I'm just happy to see that Zeke is finally carrying out the suspension, man. I had a drinking game going. I said, every time he gets suspended, take a shot. Every time he appeals to suspension, take three shots. And every time he scores a touchdown when he should have been suspended, finish your drink. And I really couldn't deal with that anymore. So it's just it's nice to finally see this come into fruition, especially with that big Sunday night football game next week, man. Eagles Cowboys. Yeah, I heard Zeke apparently got on a plane, left the country, and is just on this whole Zen training trip to like clear his mind and come back more than ready than ever. And good, Zeke, you do that. You get more mature. You're like our age or something, you have a lot of time to mature. Come back realizing that you're in a position bigger than yourself and people are going to hold you to the utmost criticism moving forward in your career. And if you don't recognize that after your little stupid trip that you were leaving the country or whatever, then you came back a worse man. Learn your lesson. Stop getting suspended. Don't even get accused for domestic violence. 
And let's move forward with this happy episode of 17th Day. Yo, man, Toby speaking as, you know, the Cowboys fan that you are, I, I really appreciate you giving Zeke some good advice. Now I got to ask you what advice you give to Jerry Jones, man, because it looks like the NFL is finally realizing what I've seen for years and that he's just a scumbag owner. Hey, man, I can't vouch for my boy Jerry Jones either. Um, this guy, I'm not going to – I'm, I'm America's team. That's That's my answer. <laughs> America's team. A lot of the times it seems like he is more powerful than the commissioner himself. Do you think that this is actually something that's going to be carried out? Um, That's a good point. I think Jerry Jones definitely has interest in becoming the commissioner, but if that doesn't happen, then he's going to keep going full steam of these um, allegations of trying to sue Roger Goodell. I don't know why he's so like frustrated with Zeke's suspension and like the way it was handled. I get it. It's frustrating that one of your best players – wasn't he like the first pick last year? Like I get it, it's it's annoying, but not the first pick, the fourth pick overall. But but first first Cowboys pick, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 just insane how Jerry Jones will go at great lengths to be willfully ignorant to the situation. And I was willfully ignorant at the beginning of the season, but it comes to a point where we had to look at his actions and say, all right, what's wrong with this team? Rather, you're than- woke now, man. You know, <laughs> I don't think Jerry Jones knows the definition of woke, so it's not too surprising to me. No worries, man. But you know what? I hate I hate talking about the Cowboys and like the lackluster efforts they're putting up right now. How about the rest of the NFC East this week? It's not looking good, man. Uh, you know, the New York Giants were going against the San Francisco. A lot of people have been calling them Owen Niners. Clever. So. This is the one they should have won, right? Definitely. They lose by 10. They, lo- they lose by 10. I, I, can't, I can't really give too much credit to that organization. Ben McAdoo, is your time up or is your time up, man? <laughs> he, he doesn't have the respect of the players anymore, man. And I know a lot of people were saying he's not going to get fired till the end of the season. But honestly, dude, I'm kind of speechless by this. It's the question of do you take a page out of the Sixers book and start sucking for that draft pick now? Or do you fire Ben McAdoo right now? Because he is an embarrassment to the New York Giants and honestly to the entire NFL organization. Oh, well, I mean, NFCs, they didn't get a much chance to celebrate a lot going on in the field, but there was some other good celebrations going on this week, whether it was a win or loss. Probably my favorite touchdown celebration this week. I have to go to my boy Le'Veon Bell and Juju Smith-Schwester, where they reenacted... Schwester. Yeah, they, they reenacted the A.J. Green and Jalen Ramsey brawl that occurred last week, where pretty much A.J. Green suplexes Jalen Ramsey. And clever. I loved it whenever I saw that update on Instagram. He said who did it best, and good, good stuff. You can say whatever you want about this NFL season, man. You can say uh, protesting and, and bad ratings and suspensions that, you know, are just the, the off-field situations. But one thing that this season has definitely brought back in a big way are these touchdown celebrations. I'm so pumped for it. You know what? I think we start. We got to start making a segment, man. Best celebration of the week because definitely. not only was there the reenactment of the brawl, but I, I saw some duck, duck, goose. I saw some leapfrogging. It's just, it's, I, I always kind of question how much time of practice is allotted to them being like, all right, when we score this week, this is what we're going to do. I bet it's like in a team-wide group chat. We're just like, all right, like, what's this week? What's, what's, they probably have like a, all right, here are the top 10, like, um, celebration. We're going to go ahead and like consider these three. And then it's just like a cycle of different celebrations. Cause like, these are too clever to not have some systematic formula of choosing which ones get played out. Absolutely, man. And there's just been too many. And, and the great thing is, is that you're seeing kind of a pattern now like the Eagles are consistently doing stuff with baseball 
it seems like the Steelers are consistently doing like childhood games. You know, they did hide and seek. I think they also did duck, duck goose earlier, but I also think, man, this has got to be really good for team morale. This is really bringing all the teams together. It definitely is. And, and in the troubling times of such a divisive political environment, it's good to just see the, you know, the innocent side of sports and the, the one, the reason that we all come to watch it. it's just fun. People, you know, beating each other up on the football field. <laughs> Don't worry about the con- concussions and potentially fatal brain injuries or anything like that. Just watch some grown men play Duck, Duck, Goose. That's what we all want. Exactly, dude. How about we take it on the ice, a place where ducks can't play Duck, Duck, Goose. Oh, oh. stupid. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Our Golden Knights, man, these Gila Monsters. Trending down, dude. They are disappointing me. Come on, Chance, bring it back. I had to cancel my jersey order off of Amazon this past weekend because of this because of how this because of this decline. And it just goes to show you can't really jump on a bandwagon too early. But no, no. I still have faith. These Golden Knights, even though they're nine, five, and one, they're still they still held um second in the Pacific. I'm okay with it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's still a long season. You kind of knew this was going to happen at some point. And you're right. The good news is that they're still in second place, still definitely in a strong playoff position with, you know, the season kind of going into its second month now. But a team that's really brought it around after a really slow start, the New York Rangers, man, they've won six in a row. They were in the bottom of the barrel a couple weeks ago. Now they're 9-7-2. and two. I think they're like third in the very tough Metropolitan. Six in a row, man. That's a decent streak. I mean, someone has to show up for the New York sports franchises with the Giants just, you know, dropping the ball every weekend. It's it's a shame. But with this streak, this hot streak that the Rangers have going on, it kind of reminds me of another similar streak in another sport. How about we take it onto the court? This hot streak that the Boston Celtics have been going on, 12 in a row now, man. It's crazy, dude. It's pretty impressive. They're now the best team in the Eastern Conference. Kyrie Irving, we are, we're kind of like questioning why Kyrie Irving got was like being mad at that Sixers fan after he shouted that expletive. And it's funny because ever since there, they're 12-0 ever since that. Hey, what do you man, think about it? Maybe, maybe people just have to keep yelling expletives at Kyrie Irving. Obviously, he's a very emotional player. Just get his emotions high, and then you get high performance. Definitely. I remember one of the games I happened to watch, his dad was watching them there, and it was a pretty endearing quote where um, Kyrie Irving told his dad when he was young, he said, listen, Dad, you did a lot. He played for Boston University. And he said, you did a lot in your career, but all I want to do is just be bigger than you. And whenever you see that Kyrie Irving is now an NBA champion, he's now leading the Boston Celtics, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty amazing story. I think what's so intriguing about this Celtics team is that they're finding ways to win. You know, they they won on a buzzer beater against the Raptors the other day. And it's just they're not having these blowout wins, but it's more impressive because they're finding ways to win these close games. I, I think that's always something that's very telling of teams is are you winning or are you losing those one possession, two possession games? And the Celtics, man, 12 in a row, they're winning them. Yeah, I think Kyrie Irving right now, now that I remember, I think he's dealing with concussion issues because Kelly o- Kevin or Kelly Olenek hit him with his elbow on accident. But I think he's going to bounce back and their season's going to you know, hopefully keep on this positive end. But even though the Celtics are the best team in the Eastern Conference, we're going to go to a different conference and talk about the exact opposite side, which is my Dallas Mavericks. Guys, not only are we the worst team in the Western Conference, we're the worst team in the league with a 2-12 and record. 
it was it's been a pretty lackluster season so far, but we've had we put up some good games. That's why I'm not too mad. Like for instance, we lost 111 to 94 against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it was a pretty good game. Um, it was pretty bad. I, I almost called 911 during that game because <laughs> LeBron James, I think it was in the fourth quarter, he backs up a little bit on Dirk Nowinski. Dirk Nowinski kind of like stumbles over his own feet as LeBron just gets right past him and dunks the ball so so fiercely. I, like I said, I almost called 911. I was like, there was, there's been a crime. He disrespected Dirk Nowinski way too much. But I'm sorry, LeBron James, but don't you ever do that to the legend, okay? Yo, man, it's not his fault. Dirk can't be doing everything. It's a five-person team, not one. And I, I don't see him having that much uh, support around him. Yeah, and it's, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr., he's, he's up and coming. He's, he's been showing out. Even LeBron James gave him some credit after the game. He said that, wow, the New York Knicks kind of missed out on the seventh pick with whenever they could have picked up. But the New York Knicks new player, but then Ennis Cantor went in, like, kind of took to his credit. I forgot who the Frank, I think his name was. But he said, nah, we're okay with our first-round pick. I think that Dennis Smith Jr. was a steal. Although the Mavericks are going to be struggling these next couple games with the Spurs and the Timberwolves and like the Bucks, even the Celtics coming up, I think the I think the Mavericks. As my, what, as, what do you think? As me and my friend, my buddy Saul back home say, we're on the we're on the up and coming, man. Literally at the bottom of the barrel, we can literally go nowhere, nowhere but nowhere up. to go but up. Exactly. So. Or you know, just plateau here for the rest of the season. <laughs> hey, man, it's either eight. I think what the Mavs are going to have to do is uh, take a page out of the Lakers playbook, and you know, just just get some good draft picks throughout the next couple of years. Because right now, dude, Lonzo Ball is looking like a man possessed. He is doing real well for the the Lakers. They're still not, you know, the Lakers of yesteryear with Kobe Bryant. He's showing the city of Los Angeles that they didn't waste a good draft pick on him. He just became the youngest player ever to record a triple-double when he had 13 points, 11 assists, and 10 rebounds in uh, a loss to the Bucks. And you know who previously had that youngest triple-double? LeBron James. That's pretty good company to be in, man. It's true, and it makes it, it begs the question. I know we put a lot of hype, everyone puts a lot of hype around the Ball family's name, but do you think that Lonzo Ball is going to be the next face of the Lakers, kind of like Kobe was? Magic Johnson's calling it now, you know, and and as someone that was the face of the Lakers, I think that's that's pretty high praise. Let's just talk about another California team while we're on the sunny side of the state. The Warriors, back on top of the power rankings, it looks like. Yeah, they, they beat the Sixers the other day. I mean, it's just proven that as, as great as this process is looking in Philadelphia, there's still no match for for a team like Golden State. They're back on top of the power rankings. It's it's no surprise to anyone, man. Yeah, the Warriors... I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> hey, but, I mean, everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. The Warriors won their last six games by at least 15-point margins. KD, of all people, you think he would try to... I thought, personally, he would try to take over this team because he's the best player on that team. I don't want to hear any arguments about that. But he recently said on record that he's totally cool with playing second fiddle. He didn't say that verbatim, but he said that that Steph Curry is just a great leader on the on the team. He says he can't even explain how great of a person he is and how caring he is for other people. Whatever, you can have your little friendship go on. I love that. I love the team culture, but you know, it's no surprise to me that Kevin Durant is okay with playing second fiddle because at any given point, he's playing third, fourth, maybe even fifth fiddle with his own Twitter handles, man. <laughs> That's definitely true. But you know what? Screw screw the Warriors, man. I want to get back to these these Lakers. I really think they're back on the rise, you know, just like when the Miami Hurricanes are good. Los Angeles Lakers are just, when they're good, it's better for the NBA. 
And I, I really think they got something special with Lonzo, dude. They do have something special with Lonzo. Unfortunately, it's not looking as shiny for the rest of the family. <laughs> When you uh, take a little events that happened in China. Guys, 17th take, I don't know if you've heard about this story with Leangelo Ball. Apparently, the UCLA team was on an excursion trip in China. And, oh, God, Leangelo Ball, you idiot. He got accused of shoplifting in China with his teammates Cody Riley and Jalen Hill. They could face up to three years in Chinese prison, guys. Not, not just three, man. They could face up, it's three to ten if they're convicted. That's mm. it's absolutely crazy. They can be held in a Chinese prison for over a month, like without the option of bail, as they're deciding whether they want to press charges or not. This is ridiculous, man. It's these children. I'm telling you, this reminds me of a story. I remember because all sports, all NCAA sports teams, you'll go on excursion trips. Whenever I used to run track at Cornell, we went on a trip to California during our spring break. And I remember I played a little prank because those were on April, April 1st. I played a prank on my dad saying it's, it was literally the exact same situation he's in. Um, but I say, hey, dad, I'm on this trip at California for spring break. I got caught at the mall stealing like about $300 worth of stuff. They're holding me. How could you do here. your dad like that, He man. was He was pissed, man. He hung up the phone. I had to call him back and explain the whole thing. He, was, he tried to tell me something about how Tobenda, that's what he calls me, <laughs> April Fool's jokes. And like after 6 p.m., okay? I don't want to hear any. I, you can't. Don't do. Don't freak me out like that. But anyway, I'm just saying. How how's Lonzo gonna get him out of this though? Because I don't think that China really cares about any Zo twos. That's two. I mean, with I mean, hopefully it's a cheap bail. I'm sure Lonzo Ball would front him the money, but God, you'd have to think Lonzo and, and the other brother Lamelo are like, oh, let's let's let him take care of his situation. Like that's the middle brother. I don't know, man. That's... Get that middle child syndrome. But go ahead. With that, I guess UCLA is losing a lot of key players. I mean, obviously. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to affect them. You know, college basketball is in full swing now, and, and UCLA definitely has high hopes for this season, but probably not when, you know, three of their players are in a Chinese prison. Oh, well, man. Let's talk about a couple, a little orange and red sport, orange, sporting orange. that went on. I mean... You called it, dude. Cornell's going to beat Syracuse. Unfortunately, you were about uh, 32 points short. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you checked out the 17th Sync Facebook page. I wrote a little article about predicting how Cornell would upset the Syracuse basketball team this weekend. We got slaughtered. I, I, I don't feel bad for writing the article. I feel disappointed. It doesn't bode well for your new website, man. I hey, mean, <laughs> it's all good, man. Doodle the news, by the way. Check it out. Can I can I just expect more incorrect opinions? You can you can expect genuine shots at a good prediction. You know what was cool though is uh, Cornell's first shot was a three pointer by Jimmy Beheim right in front of his dad. It's right? true. That's going to be the perfect story for them to talk about during Thanksgiving dinner this coming up week. Um, and and especially you know Jim Beheim, someone that's not really used to showing a lot of emotion. I, I'm bet, I'm betting he smiled on that court right there. Oh, he definitely did. You saw him cup his mouth with his hand or whatever. So you could do but. Yeah, it's it's obviously a good moment. Jim, I'm sure Jimmy and Jim are gonna enjoy the next four years. Whenever he's obviously playing Syracuse against Cornell for the next four years. Yeah, and then you know, in more unsurprising news, because I think Toby was the only one in the entire country thinking that Cornell was gonna get that upset. Mm-hmm. But Duke and Michigan State, they're uh, they're looking good. They're looking better than the good. They're they're looking like. You know, they're absolutely the number one and two teams in the country. But something that I don't think a lot of us saw, Appalachian State, they were playing uh, Tacoa, Tacoa Falls, I'm assuming. These App State Mountaineers 
just trounced on them. They won by 101 points. They didn't score 101 points. They won by 101 points. It was 135 to 134 score. This hasn't happened since 2013. I can't even begin to explain how demoralizing that must feel. I'm honestly surprised that it it was 2013. I feel like this never happens. 101 points? That's literally what I thought, too. I was like, okay, this is the first time it ever. We're going to see this all over Instagram. Nope, this happens every four years. Now, I I know that this was probably some, like, tune-up game that a lot of these college basketball teams usually play in the beginning of the season. But when you beat a team by 100 points, like, you got to put them in the top 25, right? It depends on the team they're playing, I guess. I mean, if if you're playing the class of a, like a ragtag D3 type of school, even though it's not D3, but they still play like a D3 school, then I don't know how much credit you're going to get for it. I mean, it's still a college program. They still have recruiting. It's not like they're playing some high school team or anything. And let's let's not forget, people, that a couple of years ago, Wichita State was this team that no one's really ever heard of. Now they're consistently in the national championship conversation. Could Appalachian State be the next Wichita State? I couldn't tell you about that, man, but I can tell you that it probably helps with recruiting, that's for sure. And Appalachian State probably going to get a little more help from recruiting with uh, these sanctions, man, hating all these top-tier blue-chip programs. Now, nothing really has come back to fruition yet, but you know it's kind of lingering over the sport. And I just I'm wondering how this is gonna affect the season, if it's gonna affect competition or or the, the psyche in all these players and coaches' minds. Let's just hope that like random suspensions don't just pop up, kinda like they've been popping up in the NFL, man, because that could really mess up the the flow of the C B B. Absolutely, man. All right, you wanna go ahead and head over to our segments? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, man. Who do you got for best of the week, Toby? So my best of the week's it's going to have to go to Marquise Goodwin. This 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 heart-wrenching story really struck a chord with me because the 0-9ers, well, now the 1-9ers, yep. apparently this wide receiver had a monster game and, and a game that they didn't necessarily need to win, but, I mean, for team morale, it was good for them to win this. He had, like, an 83-yard touchdown against the Giants. It was their first win of the season. And the reason why he's the best of the week for this is Marquise Goodwin, he was probably dealing with a world of problems none of us would ever even want to imagine. Apparently... Around 4 a.m. that morning, he found out that his that his wife went had a miscarriage with their expected child. It's an it's an unfortunate story that I I don't want to dig too much into because this is my best of the week. You can check it out on our uh, on a story I'll I'll send out on the on the Facebook page. This is kind of tearing me up right now, guys. But Marquise Goodwin, I'm glad you're still out there trying to show off for the team, showing showing the resilience, man. And our thoughts and prayers are with your family and friends. And uh, we're, we're, we're hoping that you guys battle back. And, I mean, congratulations. You know, you're, you're really showing resilience. And I think a lot of people in the San Francisco area really appreciated it. Definitely. I don't mean to take down the, you know, the, no, the, right. the aura. But what no, you... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll go to my best of the week, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little emotional, too. But this is, this is something that was really uh, – I, I saw it on Thursday, and I just thought how fantastic this is. Brian Boyle, okay, yeah, you play for the New Jersey Devils, not my favorite team, but uh, you scored your first goal on Thursday. You got, you guys lost in overtime to Edmonton, um, but that's all right because they're a good team. But then also, like Toby's, it's the story that goes behind this. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but Brian Boyle, in September, he was diagnosed with a chronic stem of leukemia. And I would pronounce it for you, but I have no idea how to pronounce it, and I'm not a med school major, so... Sure. The, the point is, he was 
diagnosed with leukemia in September. He went through treatment in October, and here we are in the beginning of November, and he's scoring his first goal of the season. This is just a great theme of resilience, man, because people people like to idolize athletes for being like the tough guys, can take anything, hold, handle adversity in its face, and it's it's respectable because they don't have to adhere to that stereotype, but it's a good stereotype, and why not? You know? This this entire year, whether it's you know NBA, uh, NFL, college sports, or whatever, it's just shown a lot of great stories off the field, off the court, off the ice with all these athletes and it's just really uplifting to me to see these athletes be the role models that we can have our younger generations look up to and not worry about them doing boneheaded things off the field. Definitely. Speaking of boneheaded things, not just off the field but on the field. Let's go ahead and move over to move over to my worst of the week. It's a combination between the Buffalo Bills as a whole this weekend. And a rambunctious fan who decided Yo, to... You know, you got to be careful talking smack about the Bills up here. They got that Bills Mafia. That is, <laughs> that's true. Don't, hey, I know we're up in Syracuse. Don't don't hold me to it. But whenever y'all lose 47-10 and, and 10 against the Saints, you kind of frustrate me because I have your defense in a league that I'm 9-0 in right now, and it's pretty unacceptable that I get a minus six swing on a defense that I could I would have taken zero points. I would have been fine. It is an embarrassment. The Saint the Saints ran for six touchdowns without punting the ball once. Wow. It's it's just an embarrassing thing in Micah Hyde. Six Hyen. rushing yard touch or <laughs> six rushing touchdowns, dude. That's, I'm, I'm saying, dude, Micah Hyde, even on the team, he told New York he told NewYorkUpstate.com that like they didn't come out with the energy they're used to playing with. You know, it's simple as that. It's embarrassing to go out there and put that on film. I agree, Buffalo. If the Buffalo gang wants to come at me, Come at your team first because y'all need to get it together. Y'all are like four and five now. Y'all had a lot of hope at the beginning of the year whenever y'all had a better record than the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Now they're seven and two or whatever. You know what's crazy, man? I think a lot of people up here would probably agree with you that the Bills just need to get it together. They had that glimmer of hope that Tyrod Taylor was going to be able to play a full season. LaShawn McCoy was looking pretty good, but I mean, neither of those guys play on the defense, so. Yep, exactly, man. They disappointed me. Worst of the week. How about yours? Uh, It goes to the Tennessee Volunteers, man. Uh, Not only did they fire coach Butch Jones after a dismal 50-17 loss to a not-too-great Missouri team this year, but after that, kind of adding insult to injury, they lost four committed prospects, four, like, top committed prospects, I mean, it's a bleak future ahead for the Volunteers. Butch Jones hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype that uh, he had, or he hasn't necessarily lived up to the hype of him coming, you know, four years ago. But when you're in the SEC, it really comes down to if you're not being Alabama, you're going to get fired. You know, Georgia let Mark Richt go. We snatched him up, and the Miami Hurricanes are in their first ever ACC championship. I'm not saying that Butch Jones didn't deserve to get fired because I think he did. But the SEC, man, it's it's tough when you got the 33rd NFL team in your division. All I gotta say is those Tennessee Volunteers are probably gonna need some volunteers hey. to, to walk on. I whenever you said the Volunteers, I never heard of this team before, guys, and I was blown away by that mascot. I think that's super cool. I had to say that on air. Well, they, I mean, it's it sucks because yeah, they're the Volunteers, but they have one of the cooler mascots. Like they've got a uh, it's it's a real life mascot which I love, and it's this bloodhound, and it's very cute. You know, we were talking about dogs coming back into football with that Boise State one a couple of weeks ago, and I 
for the for the most part, you know, I am a Tennessee fan because of their mascot, but it's tough to get behind them when uh, when Butch Jones has just really made them suck the last couple of years. It's all good, man. It's all good. How about we move over to our douches of the week? Sounds good, man. Paul Feinbaum, I hate you. <laughs> I've never been a fan of you. Um, honestly, if you, for those of you who don't know, Paul Feinbaum, he works for ESPN. Um, to put it lightly, he likes to uh, glorify the SEC a little too much. To put it very raunchy, he likes to suck their d- But it's not him glorifying the SEC. It's him hating on the University of Miami. I'm sorry, guys. I'm hyped. I know it's a very Miami-heavy he- episode, but the Canes are back. And this guy, like a lot of the rest of uh, the nation, picked Notre Dame to blow them out. So... Our quarterback, Malik Rozier, calls him out after the game. He says, what do you got to say now, Paul Feinbaum? So now, as if he's some messiah, you know, he's the first to notice, he now agrees that the U is back. And all I have to say is that it's a good thing he works with University of Miami alum Jonathan Vilma because he bought Paul Feinbaum his very own turnover chain. Personally, it pissed me off even more. I don't think he deserves to don that orange and green, man. That's that's maybe a lot of personal passion for that douche of the week, man, but I'll let you have it. I'll let you rock. <laughs> you can talk to a bunch of people. I, talk to anyone that's not an SEC fan and ask them what their opinion is on Paul Feinbaum. Before this week, I could have given him the douche of the week any given week, but, <laughs> but this one in particular, he got me riled up. That's fair. My douche of the week definitely has to go to Martellus Bennett. This man, he played on the Packers. All, okay, backstory. He played on the New England Patriots last year. He was the backup to Rob Gronkowski. He got moved over to the Packers this year. And apparently he his shoulder has been injured this year or something, but he's still able to play. Who knows what the situation is like. But he got dropped by the Packers. And just this week, guess who picked him up? The New England Patriots. That's why he's, he's the douche of the week. He obviously is faking this injury. He obviously was t- texting some of the players, probably Bill Belichick on the side, just you know, make, make something work out so he, it could be an easy exit and enter to a new team. And I can't believe they got away with this, man. Like, you know, when uh, John Dornbrose was going to go to the Saints and they found out in his physical that he wasn't up to, uh, up to the challenge, the, the trade was backed off, you know? I still can't believe, how did they get away with this? It's just a matter of they they just won a Super Bowl. They think they're on some high and mighty, oh, we have five rings now. Listen, you'll get used to it. America's team has had five rings for the past two decades or so. Just don't don't blow it in everyone's face before everyone keeps accusing you of being cheaters. I, I can't help but think that Martellus Bennett's shoulder probably wasn't hurting until uh, Aaron Rodgers went down too, man. True, exactly. I, I, tell me why we barely heard of it whenever that happened. And I'm thinking that Bill Belichick probably saved millions and millions of dollars by picking by releasing him and then picking him up off the waivers. I don't know, man. Some, something's fishy going up in Foxborough for sure. Exactly, man. All right, Toby. I want you to do this stats or tats, not just because of my voice, but because I know how invested you are in the team that it's dealing with this week. I'll do it for your voice, man. So for our (laughs) stats or tats for the stat, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a pretty easy stat to follow. But wait a second. They had a bye week this week. Yeah, it's it's amazing. The stats is how the Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Redskins all lost. So you could kind of kind of add that up to a collective win for the Philadelphia Eagles at that, right? You could, I think you could 
clearly say that the Eagles on their bye week had the best NFC East performance. I bet they were all on the couch eating popcorn and saying, woo, this is great. Well, I can tell you Carson Wentz was definitely in some type of deer blind hunting, man. Sure thing. And aside from that, I'll go ahead and give you the tats for today. It's this is this is great because it's it's totally uh, what do you call it? Like you sh- trusting the process. Oh sure, I mean I think you should believing shooting, shooting a little too early, but apparently someone got a tattoo. I'm looking at it right now. It says Super Bowl champs from 2018 to 2020. This passionate fan, this passionate Philadelphia Eagles fan, thought they were going to win three Super Bowls in a row or something. Never been done before. Never been done before. <laughs> and that's what's so funny about it. Like, he shaved off, like, a, a certain patch of his arm just for this tattoo. Hey, I'm, I'm all about the tattoo game. My boy Jason Terry got one before he won his first championship. You're not going to get your first championship, little fan, right here. But, hey, I like I liked the passion. Here's the thing, man. We've seen it before, people getting premature Super Bowl champ and national championship tattoos and everything. But this guy is blowing them all out of the water because he's going three years in a row. I love the passion. If and, and here's the thing, man, because Eagles are in clear contention for the Super Bowl this year. So if they win this year, knock on wood, and if they lose, you know, next year or anything. He can just get that 2020 part removed, man. So I think this guy definitely has a strong strategy going in. We'll see, man. What, what did, what's your pick, though? The stats or the tats this week? I mean, they're both so amazing. What's your pick, though? I'm going to have to go with the stat, man, because it's tough for me to go against someone that, like me, is just so emphatically in love with his teams. And I really thought that the NFC East was going to be a much closer run and, and race this year. But with the Cowboys losing this weekend, the, the Eagles are up three games. And true. with no with no shot of slowing down either, man. That's true. I'm obviously gonna pick the tats for this week because it's obviously just all just shooting your shooting your gun a little too early. You're gonna have to get that whole entire thing removed, not just the twenty twenty. <laughs> all right. You know, speaking of NFC NFC East races though, uh Big game next Sunday, Eagles Cowboys. Yeah, man. Trying to trying to make it a little interesting. Why not? Let's make it a little interesting here on Seventeenth Take. All right, man. Uh, so obviously winter's coming. Not a not a Game of Thrones reference because I don't watch that show. <laughs> but we do live in Syracuse, and the snow is going to be coming, man. So how about we say, loser has to roll around the snow in their bathing suit. You know the way the way the season's been going for the Cowboys. You'd think I would decline this bet, but America's team is going to pull through for me. We'll see about that. Guys, you heard it here on 17th Sake. Whoever wins the head-to-head Eagles versus Cowboys game next week will have to adhere to this bet. And we will make sure we get you that video of one of us, probably Toby, rolling around in the snow once we get snow, once the Cowboys lose, and we'll put that on our 17th Take Facebook page. I'll definitely make sure to run out a professional camera whenever I have to record you rolling around in the snow, man. <laughs> Uh, before we go, I just want to go ahead and give a shout-out to um, a, a guy that really meant a lot to me growing up, Roy Halladay. I'm sure you guys have heard by now. Unfortunately, he died in a plane crash over the Gulf of Mexico off the coast of Holiday, Florida. Too young. He was only 40 years old. And besides the fact that he threw only the second perfect game in Philadelphia Phillies history, and he threw a no-hitter against the Cincinnati Reds for the Phillies in the 2010 playoffs— 
Um, he was just an amazing person off the field as well. He just coached his son's high school baseball team to a perfect season. He was resounded as one of the best teammates around the MLB, an amazing father, a great husband, and an absolutely dear, dear friend. Um, he, he died doing what he loved. He was always a plain enthusiast, and his Twitter blurb, going off said courage is not being fearless but rather acting in spite of the ex existence of fear so our thoughts and prayers are with the holiday family and friends um i want to thank you for sharing your uh your friend husband father with the world because he really did make a lot of people's lives brighter yeah thank you so much ray holiday although i didn't really follow baseball as much i always follow people within the sports realm who are bigger than themselves and really take care of the platform that they're on and on that note guys uh we are going to be off next week not so my voice can heal but we will be on thanksgiving break we want to wish everyone a happy and safe thanksgiving make sure you guys eat a lot of turkey for 17th take my name is yvonne trezak and i'm toby it's you guys have a great week y'all stay beautiful out there people happy thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs>